right, Wolfpack, welcome back to another episode. Before I introduce our next guest, you guys can see we're in a whole new podcast studio. We moved out of downtown Salt Lake. It was weird, weird to think because I've been in Salt Lake for so long. Uh, moved the whole studio, though, if you guys can tell, a whole new backdrop. I'm an avid reader, so we got my bookshelves over here. It's something that we're going to be talking about more on the podcast. But our guest today is none other than Jose Reyes, creator of Bucked Up, formulator, brand developer. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, a, that's a good way that's a good of one. describing it. Yeah, because I, I think, like, honestly, like, everybody can formulate, but can you formulate? So when you formulate, you got to figure, are you formulating a mainly, like, a direct-to-consumer product? Are you formulating an Amazon product? Or are you formulating a retail product, right? And then in retail, there's like, are you specialty, which would be like a GNC, a vitamin shop, things like that. Are you FDM, which stands for food drug mass, right? Are you going to go into Kroger? Are you going to go into Walmart? All of them are going to have like different parameters and different things. So everybody thinks they can formulate. So it's, can you formulate in the specific retail box that you're trying to? And also, can you formulate something that is going to be a brand that pops on a shelf? It's easy to get into GNC. It's easy to get into stores. I mean, I remember when we first started, you know, going to the little shops in the Vasas, Eric Miner, who owns these Max Health and Nutrition's. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get in there, but is it going to sell once you're in there? It's hard to stay in. Easy to get in, hard to stay in. I start at the end product. What's mm -hmm. the name? What's the logo? What's it going to look like? And then I fucking Tarantino it like all Hell the way yeah. back to the beginning. Hell yeah. So before we get into all that, I want to give some early context to the man that's sitting in this chair right now. All right. So what do our listeners need to know about you? And this mm -hmm. is, again, is a broad question. Yeah. Because it's like, what do you want to put out there? Right. So what, so, what do they need to know about you? Early, early yeah, years. Yeah. So I came to the States, 91, with my mom, undocumented. So no papers, no social no, nothing. Um, so I got that sorted out when I was about 24, but I went through the whole like immigration court process. I got arrested. You know, I've God knows how many mug shots I have, you know, so I was, <laughs> you know, your typical troubled youth, high school dropout, getting in fights, getting arrested, all of that stuff. So early twenties, I'm like going to get deported. I'd seen like, I was in California and I'd seen all of these other Jose's get deported that day. Right. Yeah. They got like a 100% deportation rate there. If you're like undocumented and you get picked up, you get deported. So I see all these people go up, you know, deported, deported, deported. And they're telling me like, you know, think about where you want to go. Think about like getting deported, all that shit. Like it's going to happen. So I get up there and they're like, oh, well, look at you, handsome white presenting dude. There must be some <laughs> type of misunderstanding. And I was like, yeah, like here's my situation. And they were like, okay, well, like, how about this? We'll give you like three years to get it sorted and all that stuff. And if you can get it sorted in those three years, great. If not, you got to voluntarily leave the country. If you get picked up after those three years, we'll deport you. But after you do three years in prison. So I was like, oh, shit. So I got it all sorted within like a year, year or two, something like that. Like I had plenty of time to spare. And then I was like, shit, I guess it's time to uh, join the rat race. But besides that, I don't know. I don't think of myself as like bucked up guy or formulator or any of that stuff. I'm just a boring dad in the suburbs. That's about it. You know, like I think I, I started my, I call it my Jesus year. At 33, I got divorced. Mm -hmm. and really started kind of my self-discovery journey and healing process like and all that and that's like post all of that that's more how i view myself and like define myself because you know none of that shit really matters yeah you, you kind of breezed over the whole eurocentric like uh you know scale which is in general people who have lighter skin tones get a little mm -hmm. bit of preferential treatment i didn't know you were latino mm -hmm. you know until i i heard your last name you actually sent a text message you're like jose 
uh, Antonio, Antonio Reyes. Reyes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, this yeah. guy. I think, the, I think, the, yeah. You know, I go to Mexico a lot still for, you know, sometimes recreation, but more for work stuff. I do a lot of like international brokering in Latin America. And so, you know, I am fluent in Spanish, but it's, it's so interesting being here in Utah. And if I introduce myself, I'm like, hey, I'm Jose. Jose. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, Jose. And they're like, what are you saying? And I'm like, Jose, you know, like, no way, Jose, or Jose, can you see, like, start? And they're like, oh, Jose, why don't you just say so? But then if I say it to other Latin people, I'm like, hey, I'm Jose. And they're like, oh, you mean Jose? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, motherfucker, I know how to pronounce my own name. Right. I'm just so used to saying it this way. Exactly. You know? So how connected are you to your Mexican roots? Way connected. I didn't grow up, like, around, like white people i grew up around like my mexican family i went to school like out here on the west side you know i went to hunter Mm -hmm. so i hung out with mexicans or other you know latinos and latinas and so even if i am like white presenting i mean i'm pretty tan but i've always thought of myself as latin and always celebrated like those families i didn't know my dad growing up at all i met him once when i was like 23 and Mm -hmm. that's it Mm-hmm. So I always grew up, you know, speaking Spanish, all that stuff. What would you say if you were to reflect on that, not seeing your dad part, maybe from a de- developmental standpoint, or if you had a dad, maybe X, Y, and Z wouldn't have happened in your past? Do you, do you think that's the case? or? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like all of us, for the most part, until, you know, hopefully this happens to some of us, you know, you, you do go through something like a divorce or something that forces like a accountability, self-reflective journey. And that kind of starts to show you like, damn, we all suck at like relationships, right? Because we learned them from like our parents. So I'm sure had I had a father, I'm sure he would have sucked at like relationships too, because I, you know, like, so there's that aspect. So like, let's say in theory, I had a really good dad though, right? That taught me like how to be a man. Um, My mom did his good of a job as she could, you know, like with things like work ethic or toughness or different things like that. But, you know, relationship stuff, I had no idea. I had no idea how to like treat a woman. Like I just grew up around like a shit ton of like toxic relationships. So I think of it from that aspect. I was always what you would call like in school, like gift. I was one of those kids. Everything made sense, right? Everything. Really? Like every single subject, like I'd take standardized tests and score in the 99th percentile like on everything like every single thing was easy so when i came to america in the first grade they evaluated me and they're like saw you know what i was reading at what i was doing math at all that stuff so i spent my first week in a first grade class and then second week i got bumped up grades so i would go to my class take roll call check in and then i would go to a different class you fast forward a bunch of years and i didn't graduate high school right i was sloughing smoking weed every day you know doing badges shoplifting you name it so maybe it had a dad that was supportive in extracurriculars and academics i could have you know maybe explored that differently or who knows what like i could have done was your first language spanish yeah looking back would you say that being bilingual do you think that helped with comprehension or your ability to pick up things i don't know i think in like a lot of like my early years my mom completely derailed and went off the deep end through my like childhood but those first like three or four years I remember her really helping me with writing reading math like all that stuff so by the time I even entered school I was so like so advanced and so I really vividly and I was a psycho I was one of those kids that like I'd have a book and I'd get done with it or I'd do like these trivia sheets or I would do math papers or handwriting practice and i'd get done with like the book and i'd be begging my mom for another one when i was like five six years old you know i just yeah. wanted more 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 so like she didn't have to force me into any of that i just loved it um and that still goes on to this day but i think like her 
doing that kind of gave me like a big head start. So I don't know about like being bilingual per se. And you know, like if you're fluent in Spanish, like I've been watching that show on HBO, White Lotus, you watch that shit? Uh, it's good. Is it good? Uh-huh. But they're at a resort in Italy on the show. That's where it's taking place. So everyone's speaking Italian and it's crazy. Half of it is just Spanish. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, I'll hear them say a sentence and I'm like, hmm, 95%. Like that sentence was identical to Spanish. So I feel maybe there is that, like certain things you can learn with like linguistics. And most words are going to be, at least like in Western language, you're going to be a Greek base or a Latin base, you know? Yeah. So the, all the Latin based ones, French, Italian, uh, Portuguese, English, etc. they all sound pretty similar. So maybe it helps like in on maybe subconsciously understanding different syntaxes or I don't know. Yeah, because I'm thinking back at my own like childhood. My first language was Spanish. Mm -hmm. I lost my accent probably by the time I was like nine or 10, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things I, I remember is seeing culturally the difference, right? So Ar I'm Argentine. And right now, Argentina's playing. They're in overtime with the uh, Netherlands. But uh, yeah. We're, How did Netherlands come back on them? Bro, I have no idea. We came in here, we started setting up the studio, they were up 2-0, and then all of a sudden, they're tight. Yeah, because so when I left to drive over, I was about 25 minutes away, and they were going into extra time, and I was like, we'll probably be in penalty kicks or something. Like, it'll be done by the time I get there, so I bet it's done. Jordan, true or not, I literally came in here to start setting up for the podcast because I was like, okay, Argentina's up 2-0. I'm comfortable stepping away from the TV at this point. Mm -hmm. Bro, <laughs> I thought I was, I was done. Just, yeah. I was 100%. like, oh, they're done, yeah. And, you know, I don't really care that much about sports. I love following narratives and different things like that. But I hate how people try to judge Messi's fucking legacy based on, like, these random World Cup performances where right. that has nothing to do with it. I'm like, dude, this guy is by far, and in my opinion, it's not even close, not even comparable. He's the greatest soccer player of all time. Right. You know? Right skills creativity like foot like everything right like his highlights like nobody's compares to them and right? let's talk about the deficit too because he was like a smaller dude mm -hmm. like came out you know his his nickname was bulga or like he was a flea right like yeah. if you look at him standing next to the average netherlands player yeah six two yeah you know two two hundred pounds he's like five five like mm -hmm. he's just a small guy so yeah. based off where he started and where he currently is like pound for pound for sure he's the best soccer player mm -hmm. in the world but i digress with that i know i don't know if we have a lot of world cup fans in the united states yeah. but the point i was trying to make is i was learning a lot of these different cultures like how you treat how latinos treat their parents versus how americans treat their parents right mm -hmm. like i remember going to uh, we moved out of Rose Park. Are you familiar with Rose uh -huh. Park? Yeah, yeah. So we moved I out went of Rose, Rose Park Elementary. Oh, okay, I went to Backman Elementary. So we moved out of Rose Park during middle school. I remember hanging out with my American friends, my mm -hmm. Caucasian. And mm -hmm. I could say that my, my fiance is white. Just calling it out what it is. I'm reporting, mm -hmm. right? And so I just remember. Yeah, and we're speaking in generalities. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that, you know, hanging out or we were like playing video games or something. And the way they would talk to their parents. If, that, if I talked even... 10% of the way that you, you give the wrong look, dog. Yeah, like, yeah. you have a groan. You're like, ah. Oh. You hesitate for two seconds right? to do what they ask. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, man, different, different cultures. So I started picking up those nonverbal cues, paraverbal, right? Like you just said, mm -hmm. tonality and different things at a really, really young age. And it, it paid off in dividends in my sales career and different things that I've done yeah. throughout my life. Well, I look at it too. Like, even in like business, there's sometimes where like somebody says something or I read like an email. You get keyboard warriors in business too. It's not just like YouTube comments and shit like that, you know? Yeah. You meet these people eventually, and it's a totally different dynamic once you meet them. Then, then they check themselves. But sometimes I'm like, man, we're doing business with somebody. I'm like, man, nobody's ever hit you in the face, and it shows. Right. You know? Right. And it's like, because you wouldn't act this way if you grew up, like, yeah, you know, getting checked. Mm -hmm. But you didn't. You've been unchecked your whole life, and now you're sending punk-ass emails like this. Could you expand on those emails? Like, what kind of emails would you, would you I don't get? know, man. Just like, okay, so I had this one guy. 
And it was when I first made like my first round of energy drinks. So eventually when you get into energy drinks and you grow, you get like a mold and printed cans. So like your cans. So originally when cans come in, they're just aluminum sleeves. They're called brights in like the industry. So you just get these brights and then you get sleeves. They put like the, you sleeve them and then they run them through a shrink wrap tunnel to tighten the the sleeve around them. So if you, you'll be able to tell with like a beverage, if you can kind of peel the top off, that's like a smaller company or a company that was in a pinch. They oh, ran out of cans or something, had to do something in a pinch. Much more expensive, but you can do small runs. Because if you're going to drop, you know, 20 grand on molds to get your own artwork for cans, you're probably a bigger company. Because if you have to change even one letter, you got to redo a whole mold, right? So it's really only worth it once you start getting into like the millions of cans. But if you want to do a small run, like 50,000, but the difference is probably about 20 cents a can. So if you can go to molds and you're doing big runs, totally saves you a ton of money, right? 20 cents per can is fucking huge. So I'm like buying these sleeves and I got deadlines to hit with distributors and retailers and stuff. So I'm talking to the guy who's like, you know, middle management. He's not a fucking CEO, but he's been there for like a long time. He's in his 50s. And this is probably five years ago, four or five years ago. I'm talking to him and I'm like, okay, I operate under worst case scenarios. Give me the worst case scenario, right? And he's like, worst case scenario is 12 weeks. Let's just say like it was around this time. So let's just say he would have been like December 10th is the absolute worst case like doomsday scenario. And I go, okay. Are you sure? Because I was like, right. he's like, you want to know best case scenario? I was like, nope, don't give a fuck about best case scenario, right. right? So he gives me the worst case scenario. And I'm like, hey, if it needs to be like December 20th, you can tell me December 20th. Like, that's okay. And so he tells me like this date, which is like 12 weeks away or something. And then we end up blowing past that date. And I go, look, man, the problem here is, is like, when I tell all these people this, they're planning on me. And it and this eats away. Like, now I got to start pulling favors and eats away from my political equity. And the next time I go to launch a product, right? And so he and I are having this back and forth about it. He's just like, yeah, straight up, as a salesman, as a sales rep, I needed to say what I needed to say to close the deal. You know? And he's like, this is the biggest deal in the history of my company. And I was like, this could have been the smallest deal you've ever done with me. But now it'll be the only fucking deal you ever do with me. We had a PO probably 18 months ago. That was like probably a million sleeves. We had a PO that we needed in a pinch. That would have been 7 million sleeves. And for our audience, a PO means product order. Yeah, yeah, or purchase order, yeah. Or purchase order. So we had one that would have been, that was the biggest one. And so I'm sure he was like the big swinging dick in his office for like that week or whatever. Yeah, like, dude, he closed a million sleeve like purchase order, right? But his frame, like his, he's thinking so small, right? And it's like, okay, that was the biggest purchase order in the history of your company. But this last one that we needed that ended up going to a different company was seven times that one. Right. Because, you know, ideally we want to go molded cans, but if we run out of cans, now we got to source brights. I mean, you need product out there. So, like, uh, was this for Bucked Up's energy drink? Uh huh. Uh, yeah. So, once he tells me that, you know, we're kind of a little bit contentious. And then he goes, he's like, your inexperience is really showing here. And at that point, I lose. I'm like, listen here, motherfucker. Right. You're like fucking 55 years old and you're still a fucking bottom feeder. And I go, it's because of this. It's because of the way. So my only inexperience is that I trusted you like at your word, right? Mm -hmm. My inexperience is knowing that you weren't a fucking, like I didn't know that you weren't a fucking man, right? Right. And then I go, I ethical. Yeah. I go, That's I won't fine. fucking deal with you like right. anymore. 
Right. And I was like, you know what? Let's go ahead and like this was a posture. Like I couldn't have canceled the purchase order at this point. I was like, let's go ahead and cancel that PO. Yeah. And he's like, well, you need to get these cans out. I was like, I'll I'll deal with it. Right. I'll tell the retailers that this is going to be like a Q1 and next year launch or a Q2, like not the end of the world. Right. And I was like, you're probably the, the way you do business. You're probably going to fuck it up anyways. Right. So um, so anyways, then like the CEO calls me and all this shit, and you know, he's like, yeah, that was a fuck up that he made. And he was like, please keep giving us a chance. Like I will be your personal rep. You know, I was like, nah. Mm -mm. I was like, your company's done, you know, and I'm sure they're still doing fine. People need sleeves, you know, but I was like, as far as like you guys getting our business, never going to happen. What can you put in place to avoid that from ever happening in the future? Because what happened in that instance, right, was a a guy on the other end of the phone was Mm -hmm. just boldface lied. Oh, but that shit, like he didn't get fired. Like, right. So he's going to keep doing like the same thing. And, you know, like, so that's what I mean. Like that dude, clearly no one's ever fucked that dude up. Right. 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 So he's just like, oh, I'm just going to get to keep doing this. And, you know, you just have to figure like that his punishment is like he's capped. He's where he is and he's where he's always been. He's where he's always going to be. Right. Like, so whenever there's shit like this, you just sometimes got to tell yourself like that's their fucking punishment. They think that's their blessing, but that's their curse. Right. I get to wake up and be me every day. Right. So that's always just kind of how I do with shit like that. But, you know, I just try to use my best judgment. And sometimes in business, like you're in a pinch or like, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of go with the flow. So with that, like you're always going to you're always going to fuck things up like things. Things never go like a hundred percent right so you just got to like jump in and learn how to swim so with that that was just one of those like learning things and so it is what it is and it happened and then you know by the next couple runs we had our own cans so business is super cutthroat anyone that's been involved in business understands Mm -hmm. power dynamics whoever has the cash is king Mm -hmm. when you have a purchase order that big like you're anyone's going to take you on they might be dishonest on the other end this is the side of you that i'm glad that we our viewers got to Mm -hmm. see i'm going to take this back to when we originally met when we originally met one of the things i really liked about you was Mm -hmm. how go lucky how happy you were right Mm -hmm. how smiley you were yeah and at that moment when we met you had just talked about the business valuation going to like close to like 10 million or something yeah probably somewhere in there 10 to 20 just hit i think we just hit 10 million valuation yeah and this is only you're like i'm just humbled i'm just blessed like i can't Mm -hmm. believe we're in this position it's like yeah and it was very you were very uh you had a lot of humility to Mm -hmm. you you know and so that was a really cool aspect but then also also there's this other aspect there's this businessman there's this don't fuck with me mentality yeah and it's it's right to have that in Mm -hmm. context because people will walk over you for sure and more often than not they're going to step on you to get ahead of you than they would be willing to you know uh, lend an extending arm so i i like that you're you're bringing that out Mm -hmm. but let's take it back to that 10 million from that place the the business was valued at 10 million dollars yeah probably 10 20 somewhere around there 10 20 yeah regardless today Mm -hmm. you guys are valuation of 200 250 million dollars yeah i'm just speculating yeah yeah if this is accurate did bucked up hit 150 million in sales this year that was that was I mean uh, I can't I can't confirm or deny like I'm not I'm not okay. officially part of the company I'm still over yep. product development I just work off licensing and royalties now um but I would guess yeah right around there cuz that was a, a podcast I heard about 6 months ago for uh, one of the Gardner twins Oh yeah Ryan probably and he was talking about yeah. 150 million yeah, one I of the guess cool so. things it sounds like you guys have grown at least 100% year over year yeah at least easily. doubled easily yeah easily. I mean there's got to be one year when we went from probably 2 3 million to 50 million or something 0 to 50 million is all is always hard 
50 to 100 is pretty easy. And then, you know, it's just like, can you evolve into like different things? Like you're never going to be, I shouldn't say never, but you're never going to be a billion dollar supplement company, right? But there's billion dollar drink companies, there's billion dollar bar companies, there's billion dollar apparel companies, but you'll never, and I shouldn't say never, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's never been a billion dollar supplement company. That's just supplements, right? That's just not going to happen. Like I call it NFL versus the NBA. Like NFL is huge. It's America's sport. It probably is 10 times more valuable than the NBA. But there's only what eight NFL players that matter. Tom Brady, mm. Aaron Rodgers, mm. Patrick Mahomes, you know, even like fuck Troy Palomalu is still probably making more money than all of them because he's got the hair, right? Yeah. Like uh but Antonio Brown might be one of the greatest wide receivers ever and probably the best wide receiver of his generation. But if he walked through the fucking mall, he's five foot ten, hundred and eighty pounds under a helmet all the time, no one's gonna fucking recognize right. Antonio Brown. Right? Like who's the fucking running back on the Cincinnati Bengals? Who the fuck knows who the fuck cares? <laughs> right? Like, but when you talk about the NBA, you know, like your grandma doesn't know who Antonio Brown is, but your grandma knows who LeBron James is. Your grandma knows who Steph Curry is. They transcend like the social zeitgeist for some reason, whatever reason it may be, probably because they're not under helmets all the time, probably because they're like NFL or NBA players are more brands than NFL players are brands, right? I always thought the same thing when we were starting out, like we can get to a certain point, but we have to deviate because your grandma doesn't know what the fuck Cellucor is, right? you know, but your grandma knows what Red Bull is. Yes. 100%. So, so that's why I was like, we can't get stuck in the NFL kind of NFL player mentality, right? We got to figure out right. how to be NBA players. Yeah, yeah. And so to to what you're saying, um, what would you say being in this, you've been in the supplement industry for a decade? Mm, at least, yeah. Close, yeah, a decade, close yeah. So okay. yeah, I had so, a GNC. That's how I got into all of it. So what would you say, knowing now and then trending over the next, let's say, two to three years, if some there's an entrepreneur or business mm -hmm. owner that wants Single to get involved? Single serving. Single serving. Single serving is the future, right? You have... You have uh, a shrinking middle class, not just in America, but globally. My opinion, but I think politically, both sides of the aisle would agree that the money distribution or the money structure in America is, instead of being like a middle class, it's probably going to like 10% of people have all the money, not like, you know, like a Brazil or an Argentina or something like yep. that, right? A yep. Mexico. Yep. Right. So it's starting to trend that way. Um, so what markets are you guys in? Like predominantly, like seven countries. I'm trying to launch Bucked Up in, in Mexico and broker those deals for Q1. Dope. Yeah. Very dope. So, would you say uh, what percentage of sales come from the United States? Oh, still probably 90. 90. Yeah. And then what's the next like UK. land share? UK. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. UK is growing pretty well. Okay. UK just really loves how aggressively American it is, right? We oh, should throw okay. like a cowboy hat and pistols on it or something like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, that's that'll funny. work for Mexico too. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's true. So, like, okay. So, as this shrinks, right? Like, so when you go into a recession or poverty or something like that, like, I don't know if you've traveled like to, you know, second and third world countries and stuff like that. But, you know, inside every every little C store or something, every convenience store, there's still Cokes, there's still Red Bulls, there's still Monsters. People still buy them. Right. Like and same thing with like America as as like the economy tanks, people will still always go to Starbucks. Doesn't matter how fucking broke they are. They're going to go to Starbucks like every fucking day, right? Like right. you always got three bucks on you. So that's like how to figure out how to switch to single serving or market a company based on single serving things. Obviously, direct to consumer is tricky because how do you ship like a single serving? So you're always going to be at the mercy of like other vendors. So that's kind of like what you give up. But I mean, if times get tight, 
you really want to spend 60 bucks on a pre-workout or something. Mm. There's just something to it. Even if you're spending more on single servings, like those Vasa shops and those gym shops kill it, selling it for three bucks a scoop because people just don't want to stomach dropping 40 or 50 bucks, right? It's the pain versus pleasure with like procrastination, right? I remember when I was like young and broke as fuck. And let's say my cell phone bill is like $75, right? And T-Mobile this time is like sending me messages telling me I'm past due and my shit's going to get shut off. The pain of losing that 75 bucks is greater than the pain of not having a cell phone. And so that's how it is day one, day two, day three, maybe they shut my phone off, right? Mm. Now all of a sudden the pain of not having a phone is greater than the pain of having that $75. So I forked that $75 over because I need my phone back on real quick, right? So so it's kind of like that same thing, right? The pain, this is like how you bypass this in people's brains is a single serving, right? The pain of having that $45 is greater than the pain of not having that pre-workout. But if you can keep most of that $45, and spend three bucks and get a scoop, you're gonna always do that, right? And w- would you say the majority of the sales come from protein powder? Like if you were to pick three products? So there's always like, um, you know, delayed gratification might be the most rewarding and fruitful of the gratifications, but fuck delayed gratifications. We all want instant gratification, you know, back to the Starbucks thing, right? People always go to Starbucks, no matter how fucking broke they are, Mm because that shit gets them going. Pre-workout is always, going to be like as far as for like a supplement company it's always gonna be pre-workout now if you built your company around other things say like vital proteins with collagen Mm -hmm. they could drop a pre-workout and probably never sell the way their collagen sells right yeah but for any for any company whether it's gonna be bucked up cellucor i don't even know what the other fucking pre-workout companies are you know or supplement companies it's always going to be that so if you're if you're a sports nutrition company it's always gonna be pre-workout now if you're a wellness company it might be collagen or the what is it desiccated organs are big now right so like liver might always be the best seller i don't fucking know right but as far as like companies in our demo it's always gonna be pre-workout did you see what happened to liver king on that note yeah which i'm like yo (laughs) come on carnivore md dude don't be acting surprised (laughs) this is like the dude who's like everybody knows his wife's like fucking cheating on him he's like the last to know his wife was cheating on him that's what i think of it like with that you know (laughs) i'm like nah dude you were just ignoring it bro and he's like no i don't think so she would never no i straight up asked her and she said no you know (laughs) and we're like well how'd those condoms get in there and she's like i I fill them with shaving cream and prank people liver king was getting bold if you if you map the trajectory of like just his bold like straight up lying to your face Mm -hmm. he would always have this really good like run around he's like yeah i'm on peds like i'm on uh, oh, yeah. Primal something, something, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Say that Prioritize. closer to the mic. Prioritize, execute, dominate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he would be like, so yeah, I'm on pets. And then eventually he's like, no, I'm not on steroids. Like, mm-hmm. that's, man, I hope he loses sales. Like, not, not just, yeah. you know, like it is what it is. It's business at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's like, you know, good for him or, and in whatever context. Mm-hmm. But just straight fucking lying, bro. Yeah. The thing is, too. And no though, one would have given fuck if he took t- t- nah, the steroids dude. in the first place. Because clearly, like, Dude, so many people take like testosterone and shit like that. I'd say right. half the dudes at the gym are on testosterone, right? Easily. Easily. And 90% of them don't look that good, right? Yeah. Like you still have to get your diet and all that stuff in. Like it's just giving you the ability to like work harder. Whatever. Right? It's like if you took a it's like if you took this fucking pill that allowed you to read books 10 times as fast, you'd still have to read the fucking books, yeah, you know? Exactly. So it's just kind of like that. Like, but yeah. I mean, I understand it to like a certain extent, you know, like we don't want like no one talks to like fucking celebrities about their PED use or like anything like that like but the big thing is though like I don't like that like it's just 
business. Like, I hate that shit. Like, if there's one piece of advice that I have, it's to stay away from people who say shit like it's just business. 100%. Like, we're not fucking human traffickers, like, right? Like, took your fucking son's organs and sold them on the black market. It's just business, right? I'm just, money. I'm yeah. just trying to feed my family. It's yeah. just business. Yeah. We're, we all just got a job to do. Like, yeah. it's just business. If you think about it, it's just the Nuremberg defense, which if there's any listeners out there, the Nuremberg trials are what happened to the Nazis once we captured all of them. And the Nuremberg defense was we were just following orders. We were just paying our bills when we threw those motherfuckers in, in the oven. You know, we were just paying our bills. So I hate that shit. I'm like the Nuremberg defense. And guess what? That defense didn't hold up. They lost those trials. They were found guilty so it didn't hold up right so when people use that i'm like yo newsflash i don't know if you know this but in 1946 we decided the nuremberg defense is not a feasible defense so don't try to fucking evoke it now because it don't work in court and when you when you're saying that too i'm speaking generalities too because i feel the same way during covid i invented a portable fitness product Mm -hmm. and it was all eco-friendly like everything yeah down from the backpack that carried the product was recycled to Mm -hmm. the bamboo placement board love it i'm a hippie with all that shit i love it speaking of the choir natural and so i went down that whole esg kind of industry ethical social governance and Mm -hmm. so when i'm saying speaking speaking in that terms of like it's just business like mm-hmm. i still see that like the word that you said that zetgeist it mm-hmm. still exists we have these conversations all the time mm-hmm. it's like we could we we would love for everything to go where people are ethical honest integrity based mm-hmm. right treating others like humans and not like fucking you know commodities right. or items but the real like just being real it would probably take 30 to 40 years from today if everyone decided that's the way they wanted mm-hmm. to do business yeah so like for i like i feel you when yeah. you're saying that for sure it's like it's interesting though because like you can you know seek it out it's just like how we evolve and learn about like how to be like in relationships and what to look for, like in a partner, I think we got to go through the same journey with like business. Now, some people are lucky and they meet the fucking love of their life when they're like 21 or some shit. Right. And it like worked out. It's like, but that's, that's an outlier. Right. And it's going to be the same in business. And you also have to learn like who you are and you got to learn like what's ethical, not ethical and different things like that. But I found like now, and it just gets to a point where, so for me, as I grew and I started making more money, I eventually got there with like, you know, the fucking sick BMW and the SUV in the driveway and the house next to the country club and all of that stuff. Right. And it was like, as I was climbing, like I kept getting more and more unhappy. Right. Right. And I, I really, now the last couple of years, I'm the most regulated, fulfilled, quote unquote, happy. If we want to use that term that I've ever been. And so are like my daughters and even like my ex-wife and stuff like all of us. But if I were to pick a different time, it would have been probably 2012. And my ex-wife and I, we lived in this, like, so, such a ghetto fourplex. Dude. They were, like, fucking tweakers there and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But she and I each worked part-time. She's a waitress. I was a line cook. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we would just take our dogs to, like, the dog park every day. We'd go on hikes every day. We'd make love. Like, it was just, that's what we cared about, you know? And as we thought we had to care more about these other things, we became more and more miserable so I'm like, damn, like the happiest I've been in my life was when I was the brokest. It's all what's in our consciousness, you know? So I've, there's like people like this. I, my term that I just kind of made up for it in my head is conscious capitalism. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like where the founder of Whole Foods actually wrote a book called conscious capitalism. No shit. Yeah. Damn. Those Austin motherfuckers on these <laughs> mushrooms, dude. So like, uh, so I just think of it like, you know, people, they want us to think like, well, if you give a McDonald's employee benefits and pay them 18 or $20 an hour or whatever, right? Whatever market they're living in, then a Big Mac's going to be $57. And it's like, no, 
<laughs> no, it's not. Trust me. Like McDonald's can afford it. Let's just make up a number. They made three billion in profits last year. Right. Guess what? Make two point five billion and treat everybody like human beings, right? Make two billion and take care of the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think it is shifting that way. Like it demands it because they're like, oh shit, we should make two billion and stay open instead of yeah. closing, right? Like but there were already places in DC where, you know, people were making $18, $20 an hour. And guess what? That Big Mac went up 10 cents. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I was thinking about this with like, you hear about Amazon drivers having to piss in bottles and shit like that. And like, like even just as a human being, I mean, obviously you'd want like the Amazon board to approve raises and Bezos to make, maybe make a little bit less money or something like that. But even if they had like a, an option on that Amazon app for me to tip that driver, like a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, it's like where they could be like, you can get it at this time, you know, for this much or tip a dollar and it'll be here slightly later, but your, uh, your driver doesn't have to piss in a bottle. I'd be like, yeah, give me that option. I'll pay the extra buck. Right. I'll pay the extra buck. So that I'm assuming it's a he, if he's pissing in a bottle, you know, like, bro, no discrimination, (laughs) right? You say you have experience with end to end operations with like manufacturing. Absolutely. Okay. So, so from that standpoint, I'm sure you're well aware though, that the, the more, ethical the more organic the more you know less tampered with the the inception of that product is the more expensive it becomes right Mm -hmm. so that was one big thing for this little endeavor that i had was the price points were just fucking ridiculous yeah like for us to stay in business we had to increase two three x and and we're not even competitive after one and a half x and this is a two-part question right because one is how do you stay competitive with Mm -hmm. everybody else which is you can't right right price point but then how do you get people to care if they can't even afford it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously one, you're just trying to, first and foremost, you're just trying to fight the good fight. Right. You just want to, you're trying to be the change that like you want to see. And the more of us that jump onto it, like it will drive the price down. Right. Like, have you ever time traveled to the first time I leaped? It was like $2 million. Right. No, I'm just joking. But, oh, I'm, I was like, but I'm like, but now the market, you know, no, enough of us are doing it now. No, I'm just kidding. We got to, we got to cut that last part. Oh, they'll take me out, dog. Um, but, uh, wait, hold up. No, but so it's just like, uh, you know, as the, you just got to figure like, what is your, your marketing has to be so on point, like your target demographic, right? Cause people right. pay for what matters to them. Right. And a lot of times what matters to them is going to be, status right like why are people paying two thousand bucks for like a gucci clutch you know what i mean and like they're doing it to fucking flex on people because that's what matters to them is flexing on people okay so like there are lots of people out there like for for me like i i try to find produce that has like no pesticides right that just like like to me that's important but there's a lot of people out there that aren't but if i saw an organic apple for three bucks and a non-organic apple for two bucks or buck fifty I have the luxury that I would pay for the non-pesticide-free apple or something like that, right? So, I mean, I think it's just it's just going to be knowing, like, your demographic, right? Because people will always pay more for quality, but it's got to be packaged, right? The right. message has to be right. Like, why are people buying, like, BMWs when they could buy a different car, right? You could buy a Honda Accord that's going to last 10 times as long as that fucking bmw and it's even going to have leather and it's going to be nice as fuck and it's going to have probably every single feature that bmw has like a forty thousand dollar brand new camry or accord will have everything in it right why are people dropping 90k on that bmw when they know it's going to start having engine problems they know all of these other things with it so they can say they got a bmw you know social status exactly so i mean there's always even going to be social 
So it's like now, so I got a homie who he brokers and he helps brands get into like Sephora Mm -hmm. and shit like that. And right now, and I'm sure Sephora is owned by Louis Vuitton. So I'm sure a lot of it is because they're like probably like a huge, devastating global conglomerate that like fucks over like indigenous people and the environment. I'm just speculating. I'm assuming if you're a corporation, they're one of the biggest corporations in the world. Louis Vuitton owns everything. Right. So yeah, LVMH is like their abbreviation code. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if you look at what LVMH owns, it's bonkers, right? Like they're at like a $35 billion market cap or something like that. Mm. So right now you can't even get in there because they're going to be like, well, what's your message? Do you plant a tree for every lip gloss you sell? You know, they're like, they want as much um, good karma, like publicity, I think to compensate for theirs, right? That they're like, oh, Sephora gives back. Because every brand that we have gives back. We don't fucking give back, but we make every brand we carry give back, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, yeah, we have our fucking probably uh, tax write-off nonprofit, you know, but so they make you do it all, right? Right. Like, so if you're, if you're not, like, feeding hungry kids, if you're not planting trees, if you don't have a negative carbon footprint, you're not getting into that store. So there is shit like that, like, on the up, right? So now everyone's going to be trying to compete in like what we were talking about. So I think that's kind of, it's just one of those things like a market trend, like how we were talking about uh, conscious capitalism or doing business, right? Maybe we're 30 years away from that being the norm. Yep. Which is okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a We got to start somewhere, right? right? Exactly. And also too, like it's, it's, we, it might, we, it might look like where the math is now and the numbers are now that it's 30 years, but maybe it snowballs and it reaches a tipping point, right? Right. When, you know, Steph Curry started taking eight threes a game and Golden State started shooting, We'd never know that like now, you know, like the NBA is entirely three pointers, right? We could have been like 2012, 2013. We could have been like, oh, well, probably threes are going to go up 20% like per year. Like that means by like 2023, we're going to be taking, you know, this many threes again, a game. All of a sudden it's on that 20% more, 20% more. 20, And then like 2019, it quintuples. Right. Right. So it might reach a tipping point somewhere and that all of a sudden breaks the dam. I just want to tr- say I truly appreciate the sports analogies. Mm-hmm. We need more of those on oh, this okay. podcast because yeah. I just don't, I don't give enough sports analogies. Oh, dude, that's all I do. It's all sports <laughs> that's analogies. Dope. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, you're going to resonate with the audience on the the ESG ethical social governance. Another like silver lining. Mm-hmm. I know for a lot of the more ethical, conscious, you know, business people out there, there's a stat that came out that said that investors, VCs, all a lot of a lot of big money is coming. Something close to eight trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah. invested capital over the next like decade or something like that. So mm-hmm. there's a silver lining. You yeah. Know, investors, people see that as well. There's a big, it's big business, meaning mm-hmm. they're going to they're yeah. gonna make a lot of money as well. So when you do look in big money, right, they look at, they skate to where the puck is gonna, going to be, right? right? Smaller money looks at like what's coming like right now or next, you know, like, um, so like a small company might be like, oh, well, we're not going to invest in biodegradable packaging until we absolutely have to. Right. We're going to do it year by year. We're going to stick with this, the cheapest plastic that we can find. And once our customer base demands that we change, then we will change. Right. Yeah. We're like, I think like a big equity group, they're going to invest into that biodegradable company. Right. Because they're like, yeah. we want to own it now while it's cheaper. Right. And then as the market trends this way, we already have a lock on all of that. I think that's the difference between smaller to mid tier money and companies to like the big big funds and uh, VC groups, private equity groups, things like that. Can you Google that, Jordan? Just see how much money is speculated to go into sure. ethical social social governance. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, how much money or how much investment is going into that sector? Um, I'm trying to pull something up, but not seeing anything. Also, There's... Argentina won. 
Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Ooh. So I think their their toughest thing is going to be France, right? Like France seems like the toughest team that's left, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure France. Uh, France plays England tomorrow, so you never know. Yeah. Croatia will be slight work. Dude, I can't I believe. Work. I can't believe they pulled right. that shit out today, right. dude. It should have been Argentina Brazil. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah. Bro, that's that's the one for the yeah. ages right there. That has started like a war in South America though. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I don't know why they Dude, I love I love everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Some of my my closest homies in my early like 20s late teens were brazilian yeah gross i'm just kidding i'm just joking don't come at me brazil it was just a joke it was just a joke no i love love awesome Brazilians. people yeah. awesome people in general for sure but like yeah i've never gotten to that level of yeah. sports but in england and in, in the uk too fuck oh, bro nuts, soccer dude. football like yeah. bro don't yeah. don't get them started gangs around football yeah <laughs> dude it's crazy um but the, the thing is too though is that like it's interesting because there's clearly like a model for it. And I think the model will continue to swing in our favor. Who do you think more people are going to resonate with in 10 years? Costco or Walmart? You know, like, like I think it's Costco. Like, and people love working at Costco. So I think it's like, I, at this point, I know there's a market for it and there's money. It's just like a cultural thing, right? I think as like older, as old money dies off and more people grow up with like a kind consciousness, like gay people being allowed to get married, right? What 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 led to that is probably honestly like a lot of old people dying off, right? Now their voting mm-hmm. power isn't there, mm-hmm. and younger people are like, well, what do I give a fuck if gay people get married, right? Like, right. It doesn't make any difference to me. Right. And so I think that's kind of what will happen is these these old guards will kind of die off, mm-hmm. and more and more businesses and companies will start operating that way. And we are like in Utah, in Utah County, I call it souls for sale. You know, like it's like, dude, people like internationally and across America, they're like, oh. Utah business is like way more savage as fuck, right? Like when it comes to like any margin, we're talking like, you know, like I'll knife you for pennies, dog. Like, so it's like, I know a dude who does like lots of clothing for like big, big brands, right? Big time dude in like the garment industry. And he's like, dude, my big streetwear companies like in LA, they're way, way like smaller comparatively speaking to like big companies. And, you know, they sell their shit for, like, more. Maybe, like, some joggers be, like, 100 bucks or something, like, Lululemon prices or something like that. But they're more, like, drop crotch or, like, street style, right? Right. And they they take a lot of that margin and be like, yeah, we pay our employees, like, living wages and give them health care and things like that. And we're like, like, they're my employees. Like, they're my family. Like, they're going to bat for me. They're building my dream. I'm going to take care of them, right? So it's not like, uh, it's not like they're, like, uh just a big corporation that's making insane profit off these like joggers or something like that. And they, and then also too, they're not like as savage with him where it's like, okay, you are manufacturing, supplying bag tag folded these joggers, like coming in, you know, and we're going to put in appeal for this much and he'll, let's just make up a random number. And let's say it's like, okay, 10 bucks. And let's say he's going to make 20 bucks, 20% on each of those. Right. So let's say his total cost for everything's $8. Then he sells them to you for 10 and then you sell them for a hundred, whatever. Right. So, like, he's, like, over there, they're, like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, are you sure that's good for you? Like, is that enough margin? Like, for you, I want you and your family to eat, too. I want everybody to win in this. Right. Where in Utah, is like, motherfucker, you better drop that down to 801. I only want you to make a penny off. You know what? I want you to lose money off this because you'll get to use me as a referral. And you know? here, here's the truth about that sentiment. I wish they were that up front because mm-hmm. they don't talk like that, right? Like, right. people in Utah are, like, smiling to your face. Mm-hmm. And then behind your back, that's how they're, that's how they're yeah. acting. But, like. 
you never you'd never get that right because mm-hmm. that kind of lying through your teeth mentality is very yeah. prominent here yeah it's like yeah i'm gonna shake on this i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna fuck you on the back end right and that, that's what i don't respect yeah right? like i sure. respect you we came to the table we understood the rules of the game it's like playing chess mm-hmm. right we, we come to the table we know the rules of this game yeah but the moment you start playing off the chessboard uh-huh. then you're playing in the shadows yeah and that's the deceit that's the dishonesty mm-hmm. that's the the betrayal shit that i i, I don't know oh, yeah with, right? it's like that it's like that rep for for that sleeve company like uh like a big thing with like uh you know we were talking about how smiley and kind and all that stuff i was yep. like that's like my default and i love that shit and a big reason with bucked up we did so well is like you know, right? I would go to like Walmart, and it's like, damn, I fucking love these. These guys are so nice, right? We're just right, smiling. Yeah. We're cool with everybody. We're just like normal dudes. We're not stuck up. We're not nothing. Like we're just fucking homies, right? And that's always like how we've operated expos, all that stuff, right? So I will default to like kind, trusting. It's only when that dude lies when he goes back on shit. That's when it's like, okay, like, like you got to be in that kindness, but you also have to be able to switch right like into like you can't you can't enable or be victimized right i guess is that's what i'm saying 100 yeah 100 just to go back to, to what you guys were talking about i'm on yahoo finance right now mm-hmm. um it says global esg assets will exceed 40 trillion this year 40 and trillion. 50 trillion by 2025 holy shit out of a survey out of 111 yeah. investors uh, over 90% say that they're not they're not willing to put their money into it due to lack of date. They don't know how it's going to how it's going to turn out for their right. money. So yeah. There's a lot of speculation that it's going that way. The only reason I know that is cuz I'm a part of a mastermind group here for, locally. He helps people launch funds. Mm. So like I'm going to create a venture capital fund. ESG will be more under the social aspect, mm-hmm. uh, black, indigenous, people of mm-hmm. color. And I want to really pour money yeah. into entrepreneurs who are immigrants, first generation immigrants, mm-hmm. or just come from lower socioeconomic classes. Yeah. That was uh, my original thesis. Yeah. I'm like, dude, there's just something about the immigrant mindset, right. working seven days a week or whatever it is. It just mm-hmm. it feels second nature now. So, speaking to that, you did mention that you would hustle and, and mm-hmm. you're a hard worker as well. Yeah. W- would you say that you've come across a lot of immigrants or people with? that same mentality yeah i don't know culturally like i think i think because you think of america like as all immigrants are going to think as of america as like the american dream right like i'll have to work hard like so but if i work hard like i can build something or i can make something of myself or even just like we have a certain type of like safety right like more than likely you know my kids aren't going to be like kidnapped and you know like i knew i knew a dude from like columbia and uh i don't even know like his what his parents started but they were doing like all right they weren't like crazy fucking ballers or something right but they were doing all right you know and when he was a kid he got kidnapped for like ransom like two thousand bucks or something oh, like that shit. right so i think when you think of america is like there's opportunity to like start business like no offense but like a lot of people here are fucking lazy what you know what i mean i think what's shifted is that like it's it's getting harder and harder right like the percentage of what you can accomplish in the american dream keeps shrinking i knew this this old couple i don't remember their names let's just call this motherfucker alan and alan was like retired he was like 75 and he had like a pretty nice townhouse and he had like a little fucking cabin like out in the woods and shit that he would go to on like the weekends and i don't know probably satanic rituals or something i don't know what he's doing (laughs) seemed like a nice guy but so like uh so his kids like went to college like they would go to like their annual like family vacation worked at the now debunked bankrupt sears he worked at Sears his whole life selling appliances. And he, like, built it. His wife raised the kid. If I worked at Sears or something comparable selling appliances, I'd be living in, like, a studio apartment with, like, four other Jose's. Like, 100%. you know what I mean? Like, so now it's, like, that immigrant mentality. Like, yep. 
this hustle culture, it's now like, I just call it like survival culture, right? Cause mm. it's immigrant mentality. Of, like I'm going to work two jobs. I'm gonna work 60 hours a week. I'm gonna put shit away. I might start my own thing. I might go back to Mexico. I might do whatever. It's like, nah, this like 60 hours a week, two jobs is just to like fucking pay my rent and put gas right, in my car. Right. That's so true. Yeah. I, th I think that also has to do with the, the vehicles and where you're putting your energy, right? Like, mm -hmm. Uh, I look at it like level, like uh, opportunity one versus opportunity 10, mm -hmm. right? Which is a part of this mastermind group I'm, I'm going back to, man. These guys talk about like there's some guys that own funds of upwards of like $30 billion. Right. Like one, one, of, one of the owners of this, Dude, this company. I worked with a fund right. that like they hired me to do some work for them. Uh -huh. And like they were like, not a shame, but they're like, yeah, we're like a small fund, a small you know, fund. we're like two point. $2.3 billion. Wild. And I is, was like, isn't it weird? Like that mm -hmm. means, that's, what I'm, that's yeah. what I'm telling you I'm talking about. But so that goes back even to the opportunities that you're like, you're putting your money into mm -hmm. or like where you're investing your energy, like working two entry level jobs just to pay rent, mm -hmm. put that's... that same energy into learning business, entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. e-commerce, mm -hmm. right? D to C, mm -hmm. uh, learn how to fucking create an online course. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like, there's so many ways to make money, create, mm -hmm. bo write books, like, yeah. like literally anything right now mm -hmm. can be digitized and then duplicated for zero mm -hmm. zero point one cents, right? Right. And so there's these 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 vehicles that exist. So it's like if you could take a step back and put that same energy, it, it'll cost you the same energy or the same amount of sacrifice to mm -hmm. make fifty thousand a year that it would maybe build a, a multi million dollar business. Yeah. There's that. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like when you have this scarcity or you're on such thin ice or you have kids, right? It's the risk. Yeah. Right. So there's that aspect to it, right? Like they want you to need that like stable income because it's like, well, you can't miss one fucking paycheck or you're, you're toast, you're done, right? Yeah. So there's that aspect to it. But two, not everybody can do that, right? I mean, I'm not saying that not everybody has the skill set to do that, but then like if everybody started deciding to start digitizing things and all that, then like, I mean, I guess we all buy it from each other and the money just transfers around. I don't uh, know, you know, right, but like right. there has to be consumers and people who can afford to consume and like everybody, like for the most part, will need employees, right? Like, so I think my biggest thing is like, what if you want to start like a, like, I think it's just harder to open up a bodega or a landscaping company or a concrete crew or like whatever, right? Where maybe that would have been a lot easier, say 20 years ago. Like, yeah. I remember thinking, like, and I don't know if you, you've been here, other, like, listeners have been here. When you're, like, a kid and you're growing up, you're like, man, if I could get the 40000 a year, if I could make if I could make $20, $20 an hour, $20 an hour would change my fucking life, right? I remember, like, 2003 thinking shit like that, right? Like, man, what would it be like to make this much money? Then I started making that much money. I was like, okay, this is pretty nice, right? Like, I was living pretty comfortably probably 2005, 2006, and I was making about 1000 bucks a week. And dude, I paid my rent, went out with my girlfriend, like I had a comfortable, good life. At that point, I don't think anything of like, now you might think of like investing and saving and all that shit's become like pretty common now, just like the fitness industry, right? Like 2003, I'm like going to the gym, but I don't think about like gains and macros and there's an Instagram fitness culture. You know right, what I mean? Right, like it's just, right. it shit just evolves, yeah. right? So like um, now I know hella hustlers that are like 21, 22 years old and they're like thinking about that shit, right? Or they are working two jobs and one of those paychecks gets like put away towards like investments or like other shit. I'm like, damn, I wish I was on that shit when I was that age, right? Right. right. So, uh, and then I remember thinking like, you know, eventually that turns into if I could get to a hundred K, I couldn't imagine making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. And then you get to that and it's like your life just grows and evolves and inflation happens and taxes happen. And you're like, 
damn, how much do I got to make to be rich? <laughs> you know, exactly. like because when you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking back to just the default of every person that's like new to business or entrepreneurship. They're like, I want to make a million bucks. Mm -hmm. That's always the default. Yeah. It's like, dude, you'd live so comfortably if you made $80,000 a year. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. That's that's great. That's yeah. winning in some context. Right? Sure. But and, and then to that point where you're saying making six figures a year, then you make seven figures, then you make 10 figures mm -hmm. or, or uh, eight, yeah, eight figures like and then the rooms that you're in change mm -hmm. and then the people make more money. Like there's no ceiling to that amount mm -hmm. of money. Right. Yeah. Like I'm sure, you know, people yes. who have, I mean, a hundred million dollar businesses. Yes. Tons. Yeah. Coming on tons. a billion dollar business. Mm -hmm. like wild. Yeah. Like it just doesn't stop. Yeah. I right? have a meeting with a guy next week. His mm -hmm. business has just got evaluated 2.3 billion. What does he do? Um, he makes coffee. Is it black? Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I got another meeting with that fund. Uh -huh. You know, oh, that fund's also a two point three billion dollar fund, and then the rifle. Or, I mean, the coffee company is also two point three. Yeah, two. That's crazy, huh? Crazy. I don't know, dude. Like when he got when he started off, like I think his goal, his goal in his head ever since he was what well, was he wanted a thousand apartments, a thousand rental units. You know? Wow. Yeah, dude. And I think now he's at like. 7,500 units or something like that total like across the country. Wow. I would say maybe of all like what I would deem rich or wealthy people, dude, maybe one out of 10 of them are fucking happy. Mm. They are fucking miserable. Marriages are shit. Kids are fucking shit. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, what is the point? It's like that old parody or the old adage of the fucking you know, let's say you're in Bali or something like that, and there's this fisherman who just fishes on the beach, doesn't make a whole lot of money, but he's just been sitting there drinking his fucking beer, and he's fishing. He's got his fish that he's going to go sell at the market. And, he, you know, there's a fucking 80-year-old retired American dude there too, right? He's in the same thing. He's like, man, that motherfucker worked 80 years to have my fucking life, <laughs> you know? And he's like, this is my life. And it's like he fucking put up with a lifetime of unhappiness just so he could be where I'm at at the end of it all, right? And then when all these people are like dying, they will all tell you like, I know a guy, heart of gold, best dude, best all around dude I probably know from wisdom, kindness, as a father, as a husband, as a businessman, takes care of his people, does everything right, doesn't betray himself, et cetera, wow. et cetera, right? right? His net worth, I'm gonna guess right now, 175 million. And I would say he's the closest thing that I've considered to like a mentor. Even him, he was around a lot. But there are times where he was traveling or he'd be gone a lot or he'd do like a three-month deal in Singapore, you know, and shit like that. But overall, he was around his family more than a lot of these really wealthy people. And he's like, man, if I could easily like half my net worth and do it over again and spend twice as much time with my family, no brainer. Because I mean, at what point, how much more do you need, right? If he's at 175 million, God, what's your life at 20 million, right? If he could be right. 20 million that he spent forever with his kids. And that's why I'd fucking do it. Yeah, that is an interesting perspective. I always say there's the three greatest catalysts to self-growth or self-development. Mm -hmm. There's business, right, which we're talking about. It can be. Yeah. It's not always the case, right? Business, marriage, and kids. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I did at a, at a young age, because I started my first business at 18. Mm -hmm. So I co-founded co a streetwear brand. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've been in the, the entrepreneur space in some form or the other for I don't know. What am I now? 14 years, right? So in that context, though, I have an 11-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And this is getting a little bit vulnerable, but I did spend a lot more time on my hustle, mm -hmm. on my businesses than I 
I, I have now on my second child who's uh, one and a half. Mm-hmm. So like my whole life now revolves yep. around my two, you have sons, daughters, what? two daughters, two daughters, me too. Uh, yeah. Girl dad. Yeah. So it just, and then knowing that and 100% I would reverse and change those mm-hmm. decisions. Right. And yeah. it's not changing a lot, Yeah. you know, but the relationship is affected. Mm-hmm. Your bond, your relationship with your child does get affected mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And a lot of research science, you know, you, you, that that's out there in psychology in general. It's like those first couple of years are paramount mm-hmm. for bonding with your kid for sure and then you know that's true all the way until they're eight yeah so it's like yeah man it's tough and, and, and it's like what are you willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. everything and you can always you can always make up for it you know when i told my you know now i'm super close with my daughters and you know uh, i kind of came to this realization about like four years ago and it's like i can't change the past but i i got control of the future 100%, right 100%. so now By calling it what it is right for Call sure it what it is. Oh, i became super accountable with them right. i told her like everything that we just talked about like yo i'm sorry about all this shit right but shit's, shit's gonna change yeah and so like now you know, i uh, most a lot of days i pick them up from school drop them off That's do awesome. the homework dinner time bath time like all all of that shit right we're all like the three of us are just so close-knit so one is 14 and the other six both daughters as well and um i think the biggest thing is i told my daughter when i was like i wanted to take this leap and a big reason on why i wanted to switch to licensing and royalties and residuals and stuff like that is like how many people even rich people have real freedom mm-hmm. you know like one of the things like i remember kind of having this epiphany of you know being free or driving somewhere um you know uh bucked out myself and other other execs and we had this instagram post on april fool's day you remember when little nas dropped that like satan shoe or whatever oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. with Fuck, the blood and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking brilliant 666 pairs thousand bucks a pop sold out in like fucking a minute or whatever right? i'm like god damn brilliant so we do this like april fucking fool's joke we oh. drop this like fucking demon blood flavor right and for the most part like it's like it's getting thousands of likes bunch of comments are like this is hilarious right one person one person's like this is offensive you've lost a customer and it was like oh we better take it down i'm like fuck that fuck that like you can't be you can't be enslaved to these people you can't you can't be a bitch you know like hell no leave that shit up let's double down on it and i just remember what i'm being like no like like i'm a bitch and i'm like yo what's the point of being so fucking rich if you got to be a bitch and i was right. like is that why people love donald trump because he doesn't give a fuck you got that fuck you money right, right. yeah and i'm like so right. what's the point of being rich if you gotta be if you're fucking beholden mm-hmm. right so like i kind of thought like at that point like you know what like i want to be free i don't want to be enslaved to money i don't want to be enslaved to an office i don't want to be enslaved to anything i want to be completely free and i want to make that like the norm right like if you and i disagree with something that's all right, right. let's talk about it. i still love right. you who right. the fuck cares right like i'm free like i'm not scared of something like this this woman tried to cancel me on instagram the other day because i i made a joke about <laughs> about a woman's weight and uh as you remember when we were kids and that that dare officer would come in like the drug abuse resistance education and he'd come in and be like people are gonna offer you drugs you gotta just say no drugs are coming drugs are gonna be all around you you grow up motherfucker i got a budget for my drugs like nobody's giving me fucking nobody's offering me drugs i gotta pay for that shit right so i was saying he should have like separated the hot girls and be like you're gonna get free drugs and i was like tell the dudes (laughs) the ugly girls and the fat girls like you gotta buy drugs but you we gotta talk about this because dudes are gonna be offering you drugs all the time you know so, so that's good marketing like you, uh-huh. you, you've picked up this awesome sense of marketing right mm-hmm. this uh this idea of like figuring out where's culture putting your your brand or your business in front of uh-huh. where it's going or, or where it is right yeah where did you where did you guys get that where did mm. and this is going back to bucked up because i know that 
it wasn't from big influencers. Mm-hmm. I know there was a micro influencer strategy. Yeah. Made it made it like this grassroots like Yeah. So that was like uh Ryan's whole thing. So he was like, let's make our own influencers. So he had a software that like blew up people's Instagrams. Like Instagram put the squash on it, but like three years later, right? If you signed up to be an ambassador, they gave you three free months of fucking dopamine hits. Right. So like <laughs> everybody, like all these people, they'd grow and, you know, most people would grow like a little bit. But every once in a while, like you get like the fucking perfect storm of like grow with the right ass, right titties, nice enough personality. And she go from like a thousand followers, like twenty five thousand. Right. And she's super grateful for like bucked up for giving her the software, giving her the platform, all that stuff. So everybody just started going hard. So one, I think the big thing was like if you have like a big time celebrity you know, like, God, how great would it have been to have Kanye West fucking five years ago, right? Fuck. Fucking would have been awesome. awesome. Like, oh, fucking Yeezy's joined, right? Now, and so, like, let's just say, like, you're still with him. Now what happens, right? Like, so we never wanted to be, like, put all of our eggs in, like, a fucking big-time basket. Because you never know when that basket's going to fucking crash. So there was that aspect to it. I'm going to give you the ultimate secret of all secrets. Marketing, I don't give, I don't have a marketing degree. I don't even fucking have a high school diploma, right? right. I hate these like marketing degree people. They come out and they start a marketing company and they want to like consult and be a marketing company. And they're like, resonate with your customers, post right, right, at 3 p.m. every day. And I'm like, God, have you actually ever fucking done anything? Yep, right. You just got a degree. Shut the fuck up. Here's the secret. Here's what you have to figure out. Marketing in its simplest form, it always comes down to one thing. It's us versus them. Mm. Okay, that's why there's a two-party system. So I thought of this in the creation of Bucked Up. Us versus them. Okay, there's us. Who's them? Let's make a them, right? You know, and this is like why politics is so fucking easy, right? It's the Democrats. No, it's the Republicans, (laughs) right? It's all the same shit. So we were like, okay, us versus them. So what did I think of? Okay, I owned a GNC and I knew how corporate GNC worked and how I did my marketing at GNC was there's the house Uh, the family-owned GNC, and there's corporate GNC, right? And I just went to war against corporate GNC, and all my customers loved the way that, like, we treated them. So it was us versus house brand, right? Oh, they have to push their brand or they'll get fired. Oh, they don't have a proprietary blend. What are they trying to hide? Mm. Oh, they get commission for selling. Go ahead and ask them if they get commission for selling this, right? And so we marketed the shit out of that. Uh, we were the first, really, the first major company to have a proprietary blend or a non-proprietary blend where it disclosed everything that was on it. And people thought at the time, that's fucking crazy. Dude, people are going to copy your formula. Like, fucking let them. <laughs> let them. Right. You know, like, right. they still got to flavor it better. They still got to come up with a cooler name, a cooler logo, better packaging. They got to have a better infrastructure. They got to have better fulfillment. They got to have better everything. If you think this is popular because of the formula, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, right. You know, so uh, so we became us for, it became us Versus house brand, right? And uh, that became contentious at times because obviously GNC's carrying us, vitamin shops carrying us, things like that, right? Right. right. But then they're like, oh shit, but they're making us a lot of a lot of money. So I think that was like the biggest thing um, was the combination of that versus like really dial- of the the house house brand and dialing everything in with that. And it was easy to flavor because I, I knew a lot about like flavoring and what you can put into that pre-workout versus what you can't. So I was like, we're going to nail the front of it. We're going to keep it simple on the front. We're going to keep it simple on the back. Just an effective formula that doesn't have a whole bunch of bullshit. And with this effective formula, it's going to be taste better than anything that's ever come out. And I told Ryan, I was like, in theory, it should work. 
but it's just a theory. It could go belly up. Who knows? Who cares? And right, right. we just tried it. So you know? us versus them, and then on the back end, the retention was quality, right? Mm-hmm. So us versus them, marketing, and then mm-hmm. make sure you have the best fucking product, and then yeah, you still got to be good. You right. know what I mean? Like, um, like I don't know what's another. I mean, no, no brand is really. Like, nobody gets big on accident. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always think of this with, like, celebrities and people are like, Justin Bieber, he sucks at music. I'm like, no. Bieber can fucking play a grip of instruments. Dude can sing and he's fucking beautiful. Like, nah, man. If you <laughs> Like, and he had to work his ass off. You know what I mean? Like, right, nobody, right. nobody becomes fucking famous. Nobody blows up on accident, right? Right. Right, like it's like ten years is mm-hmm. usually overnight success, right? It takes ten years yeah. to get the scenes that you don't really see. Yeah, and that just gives you like a sh- your shot. You know what I mean? You might puts you in position, right? You might have, you might you might launch right. and banks tighten up and don't give anybody operating money, right? You might launch and a law changes and now you know you can't sell supplements. Right? You know what I mean? Shit just happened. You might you might open up the fucking best restaurant ever and a pandemic hits. Right. You just never know. My, right? uh, my, so my my whole thesis now in like business and entrepreneurship is I want to go speak at business conferences, different things, and mm-hmm. tell people not to get into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Like just be real as shit. It's yeah. like if you aren't ready to go two, three years minimum, mm-hmm. minimum of not making any fucking money, mm-hmm. and actually you're paying to do this. Like mm-hmm. if you're not prepared to do that and then hold on to that for another seven years of like maybe just be- being able to pay your bills before anything of value actually comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Like this it might be an old school mentality, right? Because you have entrepreneurs now in the digital mm-hmm. age like worth like 10 million, whatever, yeah. overnight. But still, the, the, the idea is if you really don't see yourself doing this for mm-hmm. long term, three to five years, and then holding that for years and years, year yeah. in and year out for 10 years, mm-hmm. like d- it's not for you. Yeah. This isn't like the easy route. Yeah. This is the path less traveled by mm-hmm. for a reason. Right. You know, nine out of 10 businesses fail for a reason. Right. Nine out of 10 of those businesses that stay in business for two years fail again. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a 99% failure rate over right. 10 years. Right. It's wild. Well, and I, I think what people don't understand is that like, you know, like just because it fails doesn't mean that you suck or that you should give no, up or that you should quit. Right. Like, I don't know how to fucking play baseball, but I guarantee if I just fucking swing all day long, I'm eventually going to fucking hit that ball, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the same thing, like, when you're a little kid and you're learning to walk, like, you don't just fucking fall over and be like, oh, I guess walking's not for me. It's not like the first time you fucking ask a girl out and she shuts you down. You're like, I guess I'll jack off forever. You know, like, nah, you just fucking... You (laughs) You get back on. Yeah, eventually one of them's going to fucking say yes. You know what I mean? Like, fuck. Like, So so... what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, let me let me ask you to a, a quick question. So to to hear both of your stories and and obviously your fathers and you both have had many successes in your own life. What mm-hmm. what advice would you give to the young, eighteen to twenty eight hustler who wants to achieve that true sense of freedom, the time frame, the fuck you money? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they have a family, maybe they have older parents. Is there a way to achieve that balance, or is there just a you got to grind? And then you get it on the back end. I'll let you go first. Damn, that's a really good question. So I guess it just depends. So like I, you know, I was, I've gone through like all sorts of different spurts of like both of this. So one, you know, the best thing that you can do, in my opinion, is work on yourself, right? Being regulated, learning how to make good decisions, not just in business, but in like your personal life, your love life, learning how to stay regulated for your kids. So you're not, when you're stressed from working, you don't come home and fucking yell at them you know, freak out like that you have, that you can have fucking space and composure and you can take breaths, right? That's going to serve you well 
in all aspects of your life, right? So like if you're not working on becoming the best person you can be, like you're fucking everybody over, like including yourself. And it's also going to be the same thing like in business, right? Because let's just say you, let's just say you, you get a job at a fucking car dealership, right? And you're going to work your fucking shifts. But if you're like a well-regulated, good energy person and you know how to sell, that shit is going to come off like way better. And then you rise to the top, right? And maybe in like five years, you're fucking regional manager for this car dealership or you open up your own car dealership or something like that, right? But you can be 21. And since you've put in that work on like yourself and your personal development, you're making a fucking 100K building up your clientele and shit like that too. And I mean, I don't know how much people at fucking car dealerships make. I'm just making this shit up. But like, you know what I mean? Like maybe you're not having to work fucking 70 hours a week and but you now have like a wage that you can grow on and you can start shit on or you can put money away or you can you can help your kids out or you can take time off and you can do you can do different things like that because I don't think you have to be with your kids all the time but can you make the time that you have with them quality time where you aren't fucking pissed where you aren't fucking stressed where you have that time and maybe you only have an hour with them every night but man, they fucking look forward to that hour where they get to play with their dad, where they get to lay in bed with him and like watch a game or watch a show or like that's all kids like really want, you know, like I grew up poor. Did I know I was poor? Fuck no. Like I thought I was fucking luckiest kid in the world. I fucking rode my bike with my friends. I fucking hung out with like, you know, my cousins and like different things like that. Right. Like we had so much fun. Right. Let's fucking Go see if we can find a dead animal to poke with a stick, right? Like, kids don't fucking need much. Like, they don't give a fuck. We fall into the trap of like fucking materialistic shit, right? So, that's what I would say is even if you got to work a lot, figure out fucking meditation, read the books that you need to read, figure out what your fucking core childhood wounds are and how they fucking impact your life, you know? So, because then maybe you have a partner already, maybe you don't, but you can make shit better with that partner or you can find a partner that helps you level up. You know, but you're only going to find that like so many people worry about finding the one that shit ain't true. Like worry on becoming the one and the rest of shit will sort itself out just like business. Don't fucking worry about like the margins and the profit. Worry about taking care of your customers, making dope products, doing everything right. Like the money will come in as a byproduct of that. Right. Like we bucked up. I didn't care about like the margins on formulas and different things like that. I wanted to make shit that was dope and innovative and that I would I would want to take or that I would want to give to my friends. And that was it. And it's kind of like I saw this documentary. I think it's called The Next Five Days. And it's about making a South Park episode. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Bill Hader, and some other dude, they lock, lock themselves in a room like this. And they just write what they think is funny. Yeah, they don't yeah. give a fuck what anybody thinks, 100%. right? They're like, I just want to make some dope-ass shit that I think is dope. 100%. And the money took care of itself. So w with everything he said, what did you hear? Don't care. Don't care about outside noise outside perspectives do what feels true to you and at any point when he was talking did he ever talk about the end goal or getting the bag or making all the money or any of that people who've been entrepreneurs or go off the beaten path they re quickly recognize that it's not necessarily the end yeah journey over destination right yeah it's the process right because the process is 99.999 percent of it They're always constantly becoming so my advice goes along there is one learning that if you use these endeavors or these opportunities or these things that you have in your mind right these ideas of like i want to start this business or i want to try this or i want to be an artist like it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship but if you use that as like okay that's a catalyst of motivation to to take the leap 
don't necessarily do it with the the idea or the agenda of like, I'm going to make a shit ton of money doing that, right? Because most people will never get there. Most people will mm -hmm. never build a nine, eight figure or even seven figure business statistically. Right. So it's, so start thinking in terms of how do I want to develop myself along this process, right? How do I want to, what skill sets do I want to come out in the next five years? Like, what do I need to be a an amazing salesperson or amazing businessman. You could distill those skill sets into communication, right? Learn how to communicate, right. learn how to build relationships. You could uh, distill that down. Problem solving, um, your ability to, like you're distilling these, these five skill sets that you want to have over the next five years and you're beating at that, those skill sets every day. And I promise you over the next three to five years, even if your business or your idea fucking tanks, which it most likely will, yeah right? The first iteration of anything fails. You're going to look up and you're going to be the best version of what you could even imagine, right? You're going to be the, the person that walks into a room and knows who the fuck they are because yeah. you're developing. And the and people who walk into a room and have that je ne sais quoi, that, that essence to them, yeah. bro, everyone wants to work with them. Everyone wants to start a business or do this endeavor with them. It's a little counterintuitive. First, you got to figure out where you are and business will show you really quickly, whether it's how much money's coming in, what weaknesses you have. And then you want to map to the end goal. Like, where do I want to go? So start with the end in mind, mm -hmm. right? Like I want to be the biggest artist in the world. Mm -hmm. That's your goal. Great. So now, you know, you got to work a shit ton for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. That'll give you like a, a long-term perspective. What Jose alluded to was the self-development aspect of it, right? It's like, what, what, how do you want to develop as a person? And I promise yeah. you, the skill sets that are gonna that you're gonna gain doing these things, taking mm -hmm. these risks, are gonna be the most valuable skill sets that you anyone's yeah. gonna want you to be a part of it. Yeah, a team, how right? you do anything is how you do everything, right? So if you're a fucking cunty asshole in business, your relationships are gonna suffer. Your kids are gonna fucking hate you. Your wife's gonna fucking hate you. Your husband, whatever, right? They're all gonna fucking hate you. They're gonna be like, fuck that person. And they might, you might start off like more successful, but over time it right. will go down. And even you might still be fiscally successful but man you're gonna be fucking miserable right good thing you got all that money because you're gonna be paying for all that pussy like you ain't nobody's <laughs> gonna want to like fucking i know so many rich guys that fucking can't get laid right 100%. good for them for supporting all those single moms in that escort industry right mm -hmm. more mad props you know but it's like they couldn't actually like go and like ask them not on their own merit like people are like, why are you not a car guy why are you not this guy I'm like Cause i don't fucking have to be Right. Like if you strip away all that shit, like I'm still, I still got me. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I still have value. And that kind of what I told my daughter when I wanted to, you know, live this life and strive for this like freedom. Right. Cause I'm like, man, I don't want to be the artist. I want to be the producer. Right. I want to be the one who like, I didn't even fucking perform that song, but every time it plays on the radio, I get something. Right. That's where I was like, I want to be free. Right. Even if I have like, 20 30 grand a month but i don't have to do anything ever and that 20 30k just comes in like every month right like how do i do that and that's what i started like putting my effort towards and i told my daughter it might take a while i might have to figure some shit out you know like uh what do we love about our house we got a movie theater right and so we're like we love watching shit in the theater on the big ass fucking sectionals big ass fucking tv the insane fucking movie theater sound system all that shit right and i go it means we might not have this movie theater it means that and when i got divorced i lived in this apartment right and i'm like means that we might be in an apartment again watching a movie on my laptop in my bed and mm -hmm. she's like if it means that i get to like have you as like the man right. that you are i don't give a fuck about it. and uh, it's nice we like it but yeah. i don't give a fuck about any of this you know, right. I'd rather have you be like real and authentic and like all this shit doesn't matter. This right. is what matters, you know? Yeah. And I was like, damn, I've done a good job with you, right? 
And I was just thinking, like, I know a lot of these fucking, like, I know a lot of rich kids, right? And if, like, they were presented with that, they'd be like, oh, fuck my mom and dad. I want a fucking <laughs> Beamer, right? Like, she's like, yeah, I don't care about any of this. Oh, I yeah. care about what we got. My one and a half year old right now, bro, like, she doesn't give a shit about all the toys, right. about all. She has the best aunties now, uncles, like, mm -hmm. big families on both ends are always gifting her shit. And she's like, she's playing with the box. She's playing with mm -hmm. the cardboard box. And she also, too, like. Shit. What she wants you, you yes. know, she wants the auntie, she wants the 100%. uncle. She's like, it's like, if you want to see what matters, look at like what matters to like a fucking toddler, you know, and it matters that they're like, hey, dad, look at me, look at me, right? And they fucking jump off the couch or something. You're like, wow, yeah, you yeah. know, and like that's what matters to them is like your love. I wanted you know? to dive into fatherhood, but I think we're running out of time. So, sure enough. So, yeah. so, last thing I want to say is, what what's your perfect client? Who do you like to work with? So for me, it's going to sound crazy. Like I don't like working with pro athletes because, well, it depends. A lot of pro athletes, because they become a pro athlete, they think they're a lot bigger and have more notoriety than they actually are. Weird. Right? Yeah. So that's my biggest thing. It's like, yo, man, I don't your care egos. that you went yeah. pro in this. If you launch a bar, no one's going to buy your fucking bar. No one's going to buy your pre-workout. No one's going to buy your energy drink, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger's fucking supplement company failed, right? Oh, shit. Ronnie Coleman's that like, up. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? Wait, like, wait, so Arnold Schwarzenegger's supplement company failed. Ronnie yeah. Coleman's as well. Yeah, like all they don't do shit, right? Like, um, like Jay Cutler. Yeah, like none of these things like sell at all. I'm like, it, it don't matter, right? Like we were just talking like NFL players. There's 1,500 of them. We can probably name a dozen, fucking right. maybe, right? So it's like, um, and even at that, like if Tom Brady released a pre workout, nobody probably fucking buy it, right? But I also make apparel and like other things too, right? I can make any any. Any commodity, any product I pretty much can handle from manufacturing to brokering it into a retailer. So I would say an ideal client, not a celebrity, um, larger companies for sure, because like a small company, honestly, they're just not going to have like the weight. You probably would need at least $2 million in seed money to do something substantial, right? So it's like if... Is that because of the the initial PO that most of these companies? Mm -hmm. So you're going to need to, yeah. And especially like I would say, don't don't do beverage until you're like a big company or you have like a big distribution. Like okay, like The Rock launched a beverage company. It didn't do too well, but it's fine. It doesn't matter, right? It's The Rock. Like right. so, if you're The Rock, then sure, launch a beverage company. But if you're not The Rock, then don't, right? Because right. you got to buy line time. You're at the mercy of trucks. You can't go direct to consumer. You can't sell to your followers. You can't do anything like that. So I would say something like a fun or a conglomerate or like you know you you got disposable money right so like if you're an athlete well, there's a difference between like i'm an nfl player and i'm lebron james right like 100%. okay so usman had funding through like a, a group right so it's like yeah that's dope and you know we can make a dope enough product it's not going to be the number one selling pre-workout in the country but if it's like number 10 in a gnc you want you know residual side income coming in and you know you have your investment group that like backs it so something like that's great but i would say like a company that wants innovation that wants to maybe jump out of what their like normal demographic is or something like that that would be like a good fit but they're like hey you make creative dope shit right like that's what i would say Something like that. But yeah, I'd say a small company that's like, we want to be the next bucked up and we'll give you like 20% equity. I'm like, nah, nah, yeah, nah yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Because you, you, know? You, know, you know that it doesn't mean shit. 20% of nothing is still nothing, right? Exactly. So right. I mean, I used to not do a retainer and just do percentages. 
But man, sometimes it can take 18 months to launch a product. And I don't want to work on a product for 18 months, right? Not unless it's like the next thing. Not, sure. I mean, you, I have I'm sure that. you have that. It's eye, taken right? me 18 months to make the bucked up bars. Yeah. And they will probably go nationwide in February. Let's go. So like that's different, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, you're going to jump into like 50,000 stores. And why well, yeah, yeah, like 10 cents a bar? I'm like 50,000 stores. I'm like, damn, that should crank. Okay, yeah. Right. Bet. I'll, 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 right. I'll do that just for the royalties. Right. So something like that. Yes. You know, and I got, an, I got two other dope products that will launch with them next year. So we'll have three products by mid year that launch just with them. Right. And so if you're a big company, I'm, and it's going to take up a lot of my time. Cause obviously I don't want to have tons of clients cause then I can't do that. It's going to look shit. It's going to be shitty, right? right? Your work's going to suffer. Um, and so like, I just want to be known, like I only make the best products and I don't sacrifice anything else, right? If you want a subpar product, go to somebody else, right? So it might be anywhere from it's going to be X amount, of this much of a retainer to if I see it, you know, and I'm like, yeah, that's real shit. But if you're a big company and you're like, okay, this is going to take the bulk of my time for the next year, I'm gonna be like, well, I need a 30, 40, $50,000 a month retainer. And I also realized this, like the first, the very first contract I ever got, I was like, okay, it's going to take me like this long, it's gonna be this much. Like, okay, I was like doing the stuff in my head. And I was like, this was total for the whole project, right? And I was like, $50,000. And they were like, okay. Easy. And I was like, yeah, like what? fuck, I should have right. said 100, <laughs> right? So you just don't know. Like, we project our worth and our money story 100%. onto other people. 100%. I had a European client. Um, I won't I won't name them. They hired a fucking LA firm for an insane amount of money because they, <laughs> they needed branding help, right? Uh -huh. And this LA firm took an insane amount of money from them. And then they were like, they came up with a billboard campaign and that was all it. And they didn't, they didn't end up doing it. Cause then you got to invest in buying the billboards. Right. But it was the dumbest fucking billboard campaign. I'm like, you thought this is what you need. And they were like referred to me by like a dude that I know who was working with them. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, man, no, let me put, let me put you in contact. with He's going to be like half the price of this LA firm. And he's actually going to help you with rebranding. Hell yeah. You know, and so it's just like that. Like, here's this LA firm that charged an arm and a leg, and they didn't do shit because they probably just some rich kid with a marketing degree who's like a billboard campaign. And he learned that in school or something. He learned that right? in school, and the school is a decade behind. Right. Ten exactly. years behind. Yeah. Nobody's fucking looking at billboards, buddy. Mm -hmm. So, where can people find you? I've been thinking about making a website. Okay. I don't know. Just find me. No, I'm saying like on social. What's your handle? Uh, Dos Jose Reyes. D A S. Like, like uh, that's the parent company under uh that bucked up is under okay. dos labs so that's kind of like way back i was just like dos jose reyes cool. you know which i i named it that because one of my favorite campaigns of all time was this mid-90s volkswagen campaign called dos auto it was super catchy helped blow volkswagen up in like the u.s and dos means the in german and one of the first products ever was deer antler spray so i was like dos mm. deer antler spray so that's kind of how it started so dos jose reyes yeah and so yeah they can i got a boring ass instagram i just talk shit just a boring dad in the suburbs you know <laughs> what's your handle yeah wellness poppy wellness poppy yeah. i like that yeah because yeah. everything i do is in health and wellness yeah. every, every business yeah. i start everything so all right we'll back if we brought you any value today like subscribe man share this with yeah. somebody man so comment validate us please no, we need please, it yeah validate us give yeah, me some on. dopamine some comments <laughs> thanks for for tuning in today and thank you guys thanks yeah, thank you jose jordan